2013. We're winding down, a couple of days left of it. This last year we've been talking about uh, kingdom. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about um, how the kingdom operates. We have a king and he's in charge. And that isn't negotiable. It's not. It's not negotiable. It's, it's the way things work. And he set it up like that on purpose, for a reason. And we've been talking about that we're a part of a kingdom. And that kingdom operates a certain way. And that kingdom operates from the top down. He gives orders. He leads us. We then follow. And then we have influence. Our kingdom has influence into the world around us. That's how the kingdom is supposed to operate. He said the kingdom of, of heaven is near. When Jesus was here, that was his first sermon. And then he started, as the further he got into his ministry, his, the kingdom of God is among you. And by the end of his ministry, the kingdom of God is within you. He talked about how the kingdom is a, a functioning, uh, vital part of how the gospel, how the, the message of Jesus Christ is going to be preached throughout the world. The kingdom, and, and we are ambassadors of that kingdom. Remember, we talked about that a year ago, that we're ambassadors of that kingdom. We have a message that needs to be proclaimed. And we talked about at the beginning of, of the year of ambassador, a whole almost two full years ago, that an ambassador isn't like an ambassador that we have today, where, you know, that goes and does the things kind of like that, but an ambassador in biblical times was the person who went into the, the, op, the opposing kingdom that was being attacked by this other kingdom. So two kingdoms had come to war. The, the, one, the one kingdom goes over and says, it sends an ambassador to say, here are the terms of your surrender. Here's how this is going to work. Now, that person... The one who's the ambassador is expendable. Now, we don't like to hear that. The idea that, that we're expendable, but you know, throughout the whole New Testament, the Bible says your life is not your own anymore. It has been bought with a price. When Jesus laid down his life, he bought your life. Well, I mean, he's, he, he gave his life for yours, and so if you sign up for his kingdom, you give up your life. Well, we don't like to hear that kind of stuff, but it's true. So he gets to be king, he gets to tell us what to say, he gets to tell us what to do, and we're supposed to do it. We are here, then, the rest of our lives to represent our king and his kingdom. That is our purpose. Now, we do a bunch of other stuff. We go to work on Monday morning, we do our thing, we take care of the kids, we go to school, those who are, in, who are of school age. We, we, we live our lives... Because we have lives to live. We have fun. We go on vacations. We, we go on trips. We do things uh, in, in, you know, with other people. We, but we're, the whole time, every day, we are to be living our life for the king. Being a representation, a representative of his kingdom. And when we have opportunity, we talk about, if, if, if given the opportunity, we talk about what our kingdom, what our king's viewpoint is. We don't get to talk about what our viewpoint is. Because I have all kinds of opinions that don't necessarily line up. Well, they do now, because I've been doing it long enough. I just kind of resigned myself to the fact that my opinions don't really 
matter. I don't get to voice my opinion. If you, if you really want to know my opinion, an opinion that I had about 27 years ago, was live and let live. You live your life, I'll live mine. You leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. You mess with me, I'll mess with you. But you leave me alone, you're fine. I'm not going to go out of my way to mess up your life or, or tell you how to live. Well, when I became a Christian, all of a sudden it said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. I don't get a choice on that. That wasn't, that wasn't one of the options that got checked at my contract. I guess I'll, I'll sign up for this one too. And this, I'll take, I'll take the, the, uh, the easy road plan. I'll just get saved and everything else I'll leave unchecked. Okay, God, here's my contract. He looked at it and said, yeah, wrong. It's all or nothing, buddy. You're all in or you're all out. You tell me. Well, I had nothing to be all out with. I, was, I mean, all out is all out. So I was all in. So all of a sudden, now I have to start preaching the gospel, whatever that meant. Well, what that meant is if somebody asked me, what in the world is wrong with you? How come you've changed? I have to give them an answer for why that is. And I can't be ashamed of it. Because if I'm ashamed of that, he said he'd be ashamed of me in front of his holy angels. So when somebody asked me, and, and, and many of my friends did, they said, you know, Neitz, what in the world is wrong with you? You have changed. How come? Well, <laughs> here's the deal. I became a Christian. <laughs> That's funny. And it went from a, a, a you know, a, a, a congenial chuckle to a get out of my house and never come here again. And I had a number of people tell me that. Get out of here. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Well, I had one guy tell me. He says, you just keep cramming it down my throat. I said, I don't think I've ever said anything to you. But just because I had changed, because I was different and I didn't do the things I used to do, he was convicted. I didn't say anything. We don't have an option. We have to be representatives of this kingdom. That's who we are called to be. And so we live our lives now being representatives. And we're supposed to be good representatives. We don't get to be, you know, mediocre representatives. Because mediocre representatives are called warm spit. He said, Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You're either in or you're out. You either do it or you don't. The kingdom is not partial. We don't get to have one foot in one kingdom and another foot in another kingdom. It is either all in or all out. Now obviously, there's a process. There's a process. When, when you first come to the Lord, and I, you know, I went through it too, and I'm still going through it to some point, you, you can only be who He gives you the ability to be. And so, you know, you might, so some people, you know, who just get saved, they may, may have one foot in the world yet, but they don't know any different. They don't know any better. But God gently draws them and gently pulls them in, gets them there. He deals with them. But there's a point where you, you can't, you've gone so far over into his kingdom that you can't go back to the other one without a mutiny. Without outright defiance. There's a point where he does say, you're in, or go back there. Tell me which one you're going to do. 
That's the way the kingdom works. It's a part of this. But now, so how do we, what message do we talk about? What message do we give? Where do we get this message? That's where this whole next year comes from. Because the message isn't just like, well, here's what I like about the Bible. I like about the Bible that God is a big daddy. Now, I'm not trying to pick on anybody who's, you know, who says that, because there are people who need to say, God, you know, I, I think of God as my dad. I can hug him. I can, I can have him hold me. He is that, but he's not just that. I don't get just, just get to talk about how God provides my needs, because I, I, I believe that too. I believe that God will, will provide my needs. He does provide my needs. But there's other sides of God too. There's a side where he's, he's righteous and he's holy. And there is no darkness. There is no shadow. Truth is truth. We don't get to look at him as the big warm fuzzy without also looking at him as the judge. He's both. And we have to have a balance of what that means. There is a, there is a balance. And how do we know that? How do we know what the balance is. How do we know uh, what the message is? How do we know all of it? Because the message isn't just, interestingly enough, small aside, there's going to be some things said over the next year, year and a half plus that are going to tweak you. And if you hear something that tweaks you, we'll be talking about that in just a few moments. So back to what I was about to say. The message of the kingdom is not just all about Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the door. Now, you don't get in without Jesus. And praise God for the door. Because if we don't get into the door, if we don't get in through the door, we don't get anything else. We don't get to be a part of anything else. He is the only reason. He's the only way. That any of this is possible. But it's not just all about him. There's more. There's more things that you need to know. I could, you know, one of the ways I thought about preaching this this morning was to give you a, a bunch of questions and see how many of you could answer them. It was like a, kind of like a pop quiz in school. But I know what pop quizzes do to people. And I know that especially a pop quiz between Christmas and New Year's could be fatal. So I don't want to mess with you that much. But there's all kinds of things that if I, if I threw out a subject and said, well, what is the biblical stance on this issue? You'd go, ah, I need to phone a friend. Here, quick. <laughs> because this book, even though it is concise, there are, there's a beginning and an end. There's 66 books. There's only so many words written in here, and if you try to add any more, you're in trouble. It says that in here too. This book is, is, is limited on its size, but the depth of it is staggering. We'll spend the whole rest of our lives, and I believe a lot of eternity, understanding all of who God is. So we haven't even scratched the surface yet. We need to go deeper. And the Bible says that we need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to study. We need to get into the depth. Because if you don't know, and you meet somebody who needs to know, and you can't give them the answer, 
I pray that God brings somebody else, but he could have used you. He wanted to use you. He put you in their life to give you the answer, to give them the answer. And so this whole next year, we're going to talk about doctrine. Doctrine is a really scary word. And people get scared of it for all kinds of reasons. One is, is, oh, it sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. I just spent three months trying to put together the first four lessons. And I've got some people who are helping me put it together and working with me, giving me insight. And they're going, when's the next one coming? I said, as soon as I get it done, you're going to get it. I sent the last one out at 4.30 this morning. Because I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't write anymore. And from, from 2.30 until 4.30, I said, i got to finish. I'm going to finish January before January starts. So I worked, for two, or I worked for over two hours this morning putting that together and sent that out this morning. Going, that's it. I'm done. Before I finish this sermon, I'm going get to get January done. So now I've got to start working on February. It's work. I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you. I'm, sh- I'm going to give you tons of information that will be put into your hands each week. And you can study it out yourself, but I expect you to study it out yourself. Because you can't phone a friend all the time. There's things you need to know. and there's, there's truths that you need to get inside of you that need to become a part of you so that when that question comes, you'll have the confidence to speak it out boldly. But I've had, I've had quite a few. I've had, I've had a lot of people over the last few months when I talk, you know, they ask me what I'm doing, what we're up to, what the church is going to be doing over the next year, what's our vision, so on and so forth. But I tell them we're going to be studying doctrine, and, they, and many of them, most of them look at me and go, why are you doing that? Do you have any idea what that could cause? Yeah, Absolutely. And I'm hoping that actually I think it's good, it could be worse than what it actually will be. I'm believing, you know, I've got my mind you know, pretty broadened now to believe that we could get into a lot of interesting fireworks-like discussions. Because you start talking about what you believe and what the Bible says and what you believe the Bible says, what if you are wrong? Oh my gosh. It'll be just like George's hair, red and flashy and fiery and woo. So again for five years, right? Hallelujah. <laughs> Looking forward to five more years, amen? Amen. Fifteen is an awesome summer. So we'll be 20 and 25 and 30 and 35 and beyond. Why in the world are we doing doctrine? Why in the world? What is this whole deal. You know, interestingly enough, it's really nice that the world and, and, you know, whether it's the world or whether it's God or whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's chance, nothing's by chance, by the way, just let you know. We'll give you a hint on that one. But this last two weeks has actually brought up a topic that just screams doctrine. Screams why we need to do this. You know, and, and last Sunday, I was going to kind of joke around a little bit, and then, you know, it's good to have a filter. 
it's good to think it's good to think through things completely to before you start pushing any you know real important buttons. Last Sunday during the offering when the, for the children's service during the children's Christmas program, I was going to say, hey, I'm going to take a few moments here to talk about the Duck Dynasty uh, discussion and what's going on. In the, and I thought, no, that just you know that would just be egging on the pain. But I actually want to talk about that because that issue that what happened in the last couple of weeks really highlights the the whole thing the whole everything we're talking and be talking about this next year and it, it highlights it in this way i don't care at this point i don't care at this moment whether you luck like luck <laughs> luck sounds like duck like whether you like the Robertsons or Phil or Duck Dynasty or an A&E, or any, I, it has nothing to do with it. I don't care at this point which side of the argument you come down on. I don't care. Because everybody comes, on, comes down on a different side one way or the other. Or, or a, you know, I mean, it's just like a, like a diamond. There's all these fat, or maybe a diamond is a, a bad way, uh, a, a, a disco ball. It goes with George's hair. We're on a the theme here. Yes, exactly. There's all kinds of facets. And, and, and whenever, whenever you start looking at it, there's all kinds of, of stuff. There's all kinds of things that can, that, that ways of looking at things. You know, I mean, it isn't just one or two opinions. There isn't. I, I heard a quote this last week, and I was, I was digging through. I've been, well, I've been, you know, this last three months, I've been digging through things, and, and I ran across a quote that, that said, you know, uh, about the Jewish people. They said, you know, why do the Jewish people argue all the time? And they said, well, if you put 14 different Jewish men in the room and then you ask them a biblical question, you'll come up with 16 different answers. <laughs> because you take from this side and that side, and there is, there are so many ways of looking at circumstances, situations. But there is truth, and there is lie. And it's sorting out between those, and the only way we can ever sort them out is this right here. That, that can only show real light and real darkness for what it is. It's not my opinion. I, I, you know, I gave that up a long time ago. It's not my opinion. I guess over the years it's become my opinion because it's just been in me so long that, okay, it is what I believe. It's what I, it's, this is the way I see it. But it's, if it's, it's what it says here. That's what's important on whatever situation it may be. You know, and, and, and I've had, I had people calling me and texting me and emailing me and, and, you know, people from all over and getting into all kinds of stuff over this whole Duck Dynasty thing and People asking me what I thought and what I thought about him and what I thought about what he said or didn't say or this and that. And I said, well, number one, Phil Robertson's not a theologian. And he's not an apologist. He's not a trained apologist. He's not even a trained orator. So whatever, his, whatever comes out of his mouth is going to sound like somebody from the swampland in Louisiana. Or anywhere south of wherever you think the light. Where, yeah, eight, exactly. 
So how he said something, okay, yeah, we can all look at that differently and say, you know, the way you said it was wrong, the way you said it was right, the way you said it was really right, or the way, you know, whatever. But here's what happened. Here's what I see, and you can disagree with me. Here's the other thing. Over this next year, you can disagree with me. Please, not during service. We'll have other times. I'll come and meet with you. I'll have lunch with you. You can yell at me across the table. You can hug me because you think what I said was fantastic. It's up to you. But you can, you can disagree with me. When I heard what he said, when I heard what happened on television, all the, everyone, everything started blowing up, the first thought that came into my mind was he was asked a question. He didn't go into that, art, that interview. He didn't, inter, he didn't call up GQ magazine and say, hey guys, I have some things I need to say here. Come on, bring your reporter over and a camera and let's, let me give you some ideas of how I think on this subject. He went there, just like, how many interviews has he been in in the last, how many years they've been in a limelight? And people ask questions. They asked him a question. And he answered with a Bible verse. Now, he also added some things that he'll have to answer for. He'll have to deal with it. Okay, I'm not, I'm not here to justify what he, how he said it or, or his, his manner of speech or whatever he may say, but what he, he quoted 1 Corinthians 5. He acted in that moment like an ambassador. He said, they asked him, what do you think is sin? And he said, well, 1 Corinthians 5. Blah, 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 blah. He just read it off. Then he added some stuff. Okay, deal with it. I heard people, I actually had people tell me, you shouldn't be talking about this. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be giving your opinion. I even had somebody tell me, well, you're a pastor. You shouldn't be giving an opinion. And if there's anything that anybody can do that really pushes my button... Is telling me that a Christian shouldn't say what they what they believe, because we're expected to. We're supposed to give an answer for what we believe, whether people like it or not, is up to them. We need to give an answer. I had a person say to me, "Well, I won't get into the argument." We need to give an answer. But even more importantly, even more importantly, and even more importantly, and even more importantly, and especially even more importantly, whatever you say had better be full of love. It has to be full of love. Because we're going to talk about some things this next year. And this, what I'm going to talk about now is, you know, the Duck Dynasty thing just highlights it. What do you believe? What do you believe on that situation? What do you believe on that issue? The Bible is very clear. What it believes on that question. I had somebody tell me this week, they said, well, Jesus never judged anybody. See, here's the problem. To say that means you haven't read enough, or you haven't seen enough, because I have three different passages I'm not going to take the time to read all of them. And none of these people, because then the argument could be, well, he only challenged the church. 
Or he only challenged the religious people. It's not true. John 5.11, the man that he healed was not a Christian. He was not a believer. And Jesus at the end said, I could give you the whole context, but it was the man who got healed, and they were going to kick him out of the, the synagogue, and they asked him, they asked him well, who, who healed you? He goes, I don't know. I don't know who healed me. He found Jesus later, or Jesus found him later in the, in the synagogue, and he says, uh, verse 14 of John chapter 5, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse will happen to you. Huh. Stop sinning. The woman caught in adultery. All kinds of people told me, well, see, the woman caught in adultery, Jesus didn't judge her. No, he didn't condemn her. It's a big difference. There's a huge difference. See, that's the other part of the argument, is if you say anything against anybody, you're condemning them. No. If I disagree with you, doesn't mean I'm condemning you. If that was the case... Some of you are getting it sporadic. Yeah, yeah, whoa, yeah. I disagree with her all the time. And she disagrees with me all the time. But I love her, and she loves me. We live under the same roof. I respect her. I honor her. I desire to, 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 to be a blessing to her, even though I disagree with all kinds of things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. But we decide, you know, even more importantly... We decide to walk in love. Even more importantly, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I hate you. Just because I don't agree with your stance on one, one particular issue or another doesn't mean that I think you should die and, and be you know, con, you know, condemned to, to a fiery, horrible you know, destruction here on earth. Especially in the afterlife, it's not my, I'm not the judge on that. It's not me. I'm not the one judging. I'm just saying, here's what I know to be true. Whatever the subject may be. It doesn't have to be that subject. It can be any subject. I mean, I could really start pushing some buttons here, because I know you guys. And I know some of you better than I know others. I could, I could publicly, but I never would, because I love you. And you love me. There's some things you know about me. Some of you know some stuff about me. Love covers a multitude of sins. But that doesn't mean that we can't speak into each other's lives. The whole thing to keep you from speaking into someone else's life, you, know, you disagree with me, you're a hater. No. Well, that, that's supposed to keep me from speaking into your life. Well, good luck. I'm not a hater. I love you. Because I love you, I confront you. And I hope that you love me enough to respond to me. Whether you agree or don't agree. If you disagree with me, respond to me. Some of my closest confidants, some of my closest, the people who have the ability to speak into my life at some of the deepest levels are people who have disagreed with me at the deepest levels. I'm not afraid of that. Some of the people who are the most influential in my life have told me to my face, you are wrong. And here's why. And I'm here to help you. I'm not leaving. That's what maturity is all about. 
I don't know how I got there from reading. Oh, Jesus disagreed, but he didn't condemn her, but he did say this. Jesus stood up straight and said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She replied, No, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from here and keep living the way you've been living. Thank you. I'm glad you know what the Scriptures say. Because that's important. What he says is, go from here and do not sin anymore. He didn't say what she did was not sin. He said to her, stop it. But I'm not going to condemn you either. Why? Why, does he, why can he say that without condemning her right then and there? Because the judgment was not yet. And it still isn't. That judgment hasn't happened yet. And he's the only one who can judge that. So he said, and it's not time. Stop sinning. Hopefully you get into a lifestyle where you quit doing that. And I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you another opportunity to stop doing that. We need to be ready to give an answer. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, beginning with verse 13 says, for who is going to harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But in fact, if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. But do not be terrified of them or be shaken, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Yet do it with courtesy and respect, keeping a good conscience. Let me read that because this is, this is the most important Do it with courtesy and respect, keeping a good conscience, so that those who slander your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame when they accuse you. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if God wills it, than for doing evil. So we have to be a voice in today's world. Because if, we don't, if we're not a voice, if we don't speak what our kingdom's stance is on life issues, then they will not hear it from someone else, whatever it may be. If we don't say, here's what the Bible says, then they will not hear it. And then who will be responsible for their sin? The Bible says, blood will be on my hands if I don't say it. If I don't speak what the kingdom says to an individual when I have an opportunity, then his blood or her blood is on my hands. And one of my main purposes in life is to get to the kingdom and not have anyone say, why didn't you tell me? I was afraid I was going to hurt your feelings. I didn't want to offend you. I didn't want you to think that, that, you know, I didn't want you to get the, 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 the concept or the, or the perception that, that God was not a, not a loving God. So I, I wanted to tell him, I just wanted to, to emphasize the fact that he's a loving God. He is a loving God, but there is truth and there is darkness. And we must proclaim what the kingdom what the kingdom's position is on life issues, whatever they may be. But even more importantly, we need to do it with love, full of love, 
full of grace. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I don't love you. Actually, if I actually build up enough courage to come and confront you, it's because I love you. George, George already said this today, so I can actually use him as the example. When he called me and told me he was done doing chemo, I called him up and I said, let's go eat. We sat across the table over at Brian's. I remember being, it was Brian's hamburger. I remember. It's you're older than me. So you just, you're. <laughs> and I said, George, you're going to finish the chemo. He goes, no, I'm not. And I said, George, you're going to finish the chemo because I love you. And I'm not going to let you die. Now, what was his wishes? He wanted to stop. I understand that. Gracious sakes. Oh my God. I, I don't understand it. I've never gone through chemo. I've never experienced that, that pain, that, that, that level of suffering. I haven't. But I also know that love never fails. And if I'm, will, I'm willing to lose a friend rather than for that friend to somehow think that what they're doing is right when they're wrong. Because if they're wrong, it's eternal consequences. Not the cancer part. That's, but on sin issues, it is eternal. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The whole book of, of Galatians, whether you knew it or not, whether you like it or not, is about theology. It's about doctrine. The whole Bible is about theology. I know, Pastor John, I get that. But it's all about doctrine. It's all about the doctrine of salvation. Because there was a group of people that said, I mean, the disciples, the apostles were saying, the way that you are justified is through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Through salvation, Christ alone, his blood alone, that, that atonement alone, that is how you get saved, that's how you get into the kingdom, that's how you become part of, of the kingdom, that's how you spend eternity with God. Then there was another group, a second group, who was saying, no, that's not how you do it. The way you, that you prove you're, that you're really saved, the way that you are saved, is through circumcision. And Paul's going, whoa, wait a second, no. That's not how it works. Oh, yeah. And they were gathering their troops. They were gathering the people who said, this is the way it is. It's all about circumcision. And if you're not circumcised, if the men in your family are not circumcised, you're not saved. And, Jesus, and Paul is saying, absolutely not. Here is what the truth is. And they went at odds with each other. And they argued with each other. They didn't even like each other. There's some things that Paul said. You can tell he didn't like them. One of the things he said is, all right, if you want to do that to yourself, go all the way and cut it off. Now that's a man's man. That's an argument right there. That's proof that there was no holds barred. Come on, boys, let's go here. Let's duke it out. Paul was not very sensitive. 
Paul, Paul, don't, don't embarrass them. Don't, don't, don't antagonize them. Tell, tell them how much God loves them. No, 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 no. Cut it off, boys. Let's go. Come on. You think you're so holy? Let's go. That's how real we need to be with each other this year. In love. You know, you can do both. You can say cut it off in love easily. It's just, you know, it's just... It's about the attitude of my wife. (laughs) Time for Debbie Cam. Yep, time for Debbie Cam. Verse 14, for the whole... Am I still on? You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Do you know, here's another one of those opportunities to cringe and still love me. Do you know that truth is not the highest rule? Truth is not the highest principle. What's a higher principle than truth? Love. Does that mean then, well, okay, then I won't tell the truth because I love them? No. You speak the truth in love. There's a way to do that. There really is a way to do that. Whenever I'm talking to them, not every time, most of the times when I'm talking with my children, stop doing that. I love you, but stop doing that. And here are the consequences if you continue to do that. It's easy. It's easy to say, here's the truth. The truth is, this is wrong. Here are the consequences, but I love you. I love you enough to be here for you, to care for you. I'm not mad at you. But I am willing to love you enough to confront you with the truth. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were quite sincere. They wanted to understand what the Scriptures said. They wanted to understand what the Scriptures were telling them. Jesus said that in John chapter 5, verse 39. He says, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is, in, it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They search the Scriptures all day long. This next year, we're going to search the Scriptures. And I guarantee there was whatever, 75, 80, 90 people in here, whatever it may be, that we're going to come up with 105 different opinions. But hopefully, by the end of the year, we start narrowing that down to what we can stand on, to what we, can agree, what we, what we believe, and it will be based on Scripture. It will be. It has to be. They were sincere, but they were wrong. I've had all kinds of people quoting Scripture me to the last two weeks, and they're, I love them. I really do. I love them. But they're wrong. Because that's not what that says. And that's not what that means. And that's not what, the, if you look at it in a, in a hermeneutical, a correct hermeneutical way, a great, using proper exegesis and proper, you know, using all the right tools, that's not what that says. This is what it says. And this is what it means. And you can base your life on it. And if you do, whether you like it or not, you know, there's a whole bunch of rules, a whole bunch of, of, of principles in the Bible that I don't like. But I don't get a choice. Obey. Yes, sir.
They missed the whole message. They could not accept Jesus because of his popularity, his success. They, they had a good thing going. They lacked love. Now, i got to get moving. I'm sorry for running late. My whole purpose today was to be done at an at a early stage. Continuing on with verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For, those, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all these things. You know that all those things are sin? Whether it's the sexual immorality part or the envy or the strife part? Sin is sin. There will be differences in the way we see things, but what is important is how we deal with these differences. 1 Corinthians 17. This will all be on the website. Forget about taking notes. Most of you already have. <laughs> Next year, you're taking notes. Next year, you're taking notes. I'm just letting you know. Bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles, you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. But in the following instructions, I do not condemn you. Because you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. When we walk in love with each other, we're above the law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, this next year, we're going to get to the bottom of some things. And it's going to be work. It's going to be work. I'm going to tell you right up. But I can guarantee you that a year from now, you are going to be a stronger, more mature believer. You are going to have, you will understand things that you didn't understand at the beginning of this year. You will be able to give better answers, more concise answers, deeper answers than you've ever been able to before. But here's what we have to agree upon. That as we go through this, we always choose to walk in love. Because if you disagree, and you're going to have opportunity this year to disagree, we've already had opportunities in the last couple of months while talking through some of these issues. We've had opportunity to disagree. But what we must do, we have to live this way. We have to make a choice beginning now, and I'm going to mention it at the beginning of next week's sermon also, since everybody else that isn't here this Sunday will be here next week is that whenever we come to a point where we disagree on something, number one rule is we love. We don't run. We don't run. Say it with me. We do not run. We don't run. On, our, on the website, on our What We Believe page, read that through. I encourage you to start there. Start reading that through. Kind of think it through. You might have questions right off the bat. 
But as you read through that, at the very top of it, there's a, there's a saying, there's a phrase. It says, in the essentials, unity. Which means the things that really matter, the things that are the most important, and I can almost name them off on ten fingers. Maybe, give or take, Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus came to this earth, lived his life. He was sinless. He died on the cross for your and mine's sin. That payment and that payment alone is the only way. Allowing him or, or allowing him to be the Lord of your life is crucial. You must allow him to be the Lord of your life. I'm, I think I get it on one hand. There's got to be another one. I don't have time right now to, to, to think it through. Essentials, things that are not negotiable. There are not two ways to get to heaven. There's one. We will show, I will show you the scriptures. You will have the scriptures in your hands this year. I will, I will, we'll work it through. won't be the first month, but it will be soon. So on the essentials, unity. That's where we start. On the non-essentials, everything else. And I mean the really biggies that we care about. Praying in the Spirit. Speaking in tongues. Non-essential. Oh, wait a second, Pastor John. I'm out of here. Phew, gone. Healing, provision, prosperity message, non-essentials. You might be thinking, well, wait a second. Those are biggies. They're non-essential to get into heaven. How do you get into heaven? That's why essentials, how do we get into heaven? How, how do we have a relationship with God? Non-essentials, liberty. In all things, the third part of that phrase is, in all things, love. We walk in love. If we disagree with each other, we walk in love. Stand with me, please. Next week, when I start the sermon, I'm going to hit that point again. I want you to think about that between this week and next. And if there's somebody here that didn't hear this sermon, that, that wasn't here this Sunday because you know, they're over the hill and through the dale and over to Grandma's house, encourage them to listen to this sermon. Because next week, I want us to, to proclaim something. And I want us to proclaim this. It's almost like, like uh, developing a contract with one another. That, the, that in this next year and beyond, because it's going to take a little more than a year, that in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In everything else, love. All things, love. I want us to make a contract with each other that we're going to walk in love with each other this year. And so as we go through this year and we're talking about different subjects, that in every part of it, we walk in love. And I want us to agree to that. Because I'm committing to it. I'm committing. And I'm going to be the one who gets most of the phone calls. <laughs> most of the lunch meetings. Most of the opportunities to walk in love. And that's awesome. I'm in. I'm ready. Because this is important. Remember, what, remember a couple of weeks ago when, when uh, Ludeman, Tom Ludeman shared about what he saw in a vision. That, the, that even the church was being shaken and that we grabbed what was important and got out. This is what's...
what we're going to be dealing with this next is what's important. It is the most important thing that we'll ever talk about here as a whole. This year is going to be so awesome. But it's going to take commitment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for life and life more abundantly. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for these people who are amazing people. And that as we walk through this this next year, that out of it all, you are glorified at every step. Father, we praise you, we thank you, and we give this next year to you, for you to do as you desire. In Jesus' name, amen.